0: What's up, podcast? This is episode 202 and a half, and this one is special because I've had a lot of people reach out to me saying that they actually really, really enjoy my solo episodes, and I am so humbled by this because I have so many amazing guests on my show And anytime someone adds me on Facebook or Instagram and we start chatting, I always ask, you know, what episodes are the most helpful? And they all say it's my solo episodes. And it's, like, the most amazing thing I could, like, ever imagine. So, honestly, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, what I did is I compiled the top five solo episodes in 2018 into one, just like I had my top five most listened episodes so i just took all my solo ones that were the most listened to most appreciated most downloaded and just mushed them together so here it is here you go we talk about some awesome shit hopefully you enjoy here's the first one so to get started i always like to do my little intro and uh kind of go from there so welcome back you guys to another episode of cut the shit get fit i'm your host rafael matuszewski and today i am going solo once again and shout out to steven he still wants one of these shirts i am eventually gonna go meet this guy that i've interviewed and i will give him a shirt personally um Actually, with all my guests on my show, my ultimate goal is to meet them personally and hand them a shirt and represent one of the best podcasts in the industry of health and fitness. So another round of shout-outs from my top three cities listening to my podcast this past week. It is number one, Boston. Shout-out to those guys. Number two, I'm going international, and I am sorry if I butcher this name, but it's Medellin, Colombia. Really cool that people in Colombia are listening to my show. And number three, this city has been popping up a lot. It's Houston, Texas. Shout out to those guys. And uh, from there, I kind of want to talk about my, you know, 100 episodes before I get into my. Personal topic that I brought up the other day about um, depression. But on a lighter note, um, you know, it's been over a hundred episodes, and I am thrilled to have gone to this point because I remember when I first started this podcast, I was so freaking nervous that I was going to suck, that no one was going to listen, that. You know, everything that could go wrong would go wrong, and I'm surprised that I'm already here, and I'm always trying to improve this show, so for all my listeners out there, feel free to reach out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or whatever it is, and let me know what you want to see or hear more of or less of or just have a suggestion on how to make it better, and... I want to make this podcast the best there is. So any kind of feedback would be great. And um, I I just wanted to share a story about when I first started this podcast. I remember um, just taking my laptop, going into my closet, which is like right back there, and sitting in there because I felt embarrassed that maybe someone down the hall in my apartment building would hear, would hear me or the people outside because my window's open would hear me and make fun of me. Um, really stupid stuff. And I remember pressing record and listening to that recording that I first did of like my story episode one. And I was just like, holy shit, this is so bad and now it's going to be on the internet forever. And if you actually go back to my first episode, it was just horrible. And it's weird because I've had some people listen back to it and they're like, oh, you seemed like a natural from it. And I'm like, nah, I was really nervous and I wanted to throw up when I was recording. And I was lucky it didn't go all over my keyboard. But, you know, as you, if you've been listening since the beginning and, you know, you kind of followed me. As we went along, um, I you know I improved a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and I took time to figure out um, better ways to interview people, trying to get better like answers from people that have never been on a podcast and kind of gave me like one word answers because those people kind of suck when they don't really give you the feedback. Like the best guess I've had is where I would be giving them a question. And the moment I'm not even done with my question, they're already answering me because they have all this like thought and idea that they want to put into this um, question I'm giving them. Those are the best interviews. But there are some people that are just shy and don't have that, I guess, charisma to kind of like just jump on board and be really good at just conversing with somebody else on a podcast. So one of my main missions is to figure out what's the best way to – Um, you know, get those people to open up. And I think over the course of 100 episodes, it's been going really well. And I'm always looking at a way to improve. And, you know, if I find anything online of how to interview better, I'm reading it. And even asking questions. I'm not even relating to fitness and health, but you get to know the person a little bit more. And um, I actually enjoy doing that more than just asking oh what's your take on the ketogenic diet crap like that um the other cool thing that i started doing i think it was around the episode 70 mark was you know solo episodes like this that have now turned into facebook live instagram live videos and you know the people that have been listening to my um podcast that add me on facebook i will always message them and be like hey Thanks for adding me. How did you find me? Turns out it was my podcast. And I'll, I'll ask them like, what episodes have you listened to? Which ones were your favorite? Which ones did you hate? And what do you think of my solo episodes? And almost, actually, every single person said they were really good. And I was surprised by that because I'm just, like, rambling about random shit all the time. And they said that it, you know, made them feel like they were connected. And it was more personable and it almost felt like I was talking to them (laughs) I was talking to them directly and they could actually feel what I was feeling when I was talking about it at that moment and you know one person I interviewed on my podcast asked why I wasn't doing solo episodes and honestly I didn't have an answer for them and you know around episode 70 something I decided you know what for like 10-15 minutes I'm just gonna go chat about random stuff and um, see if people like it. And so far it has. And I think this whole idea of Facebook Live and Instagram Live is making it that much better because, you know, you get to see me, you get to see another, another great shirt, and, um, yeah, you get to see me ramble in my natural habitat with my tea. So the thing and topic that I want to talk about Today, which is really, really important to me, is this topic of depression. And, you know, I am no way certified, qualified, or anything like that to give recommendations, to diagnose, to anything on a professional level when it comes to mental health. But as a person who has been through depression and Multiple times, actually, I can share my own personal story, my own personal struggle, and I wouldn't say I've overcome it, but there was ways for me to get by, to keep going each and every day. Um, I think I'll share, you know, a couple. I'll share a couple like own personal experiences, but. The thing I want to get my point across is there's this weird thing when it comes to mental health. Like, you know, if you were in a conversation with someone and they're like, hey, you want to hang out on this day, Sunday, whatever, and you're like, oh, I can't because I'm going to go to my therapist. People look at you like, whoa, like, what's wrong with you? Whereas if you said oh, I'm gonna go to my naturopath. I'm gonna go to my physio. I'm gonna go see my chiro. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, good luck. Hopefully you feel better. But when it comes to seeing a professional, what's like going on here, it's like, oh shit, like there's something really wrong with you. In reality, there is a shit ton of stuff wrong with us that we don't, you know, show to people. Whereas if it's a physical injury, or a skin condition, or any other kind of condition, it's like, oh man, I really hope you're going to be okay, or feel better, and hopefully, like, when you go to the doctor, blah, 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 but when it comes to mental health, it's like, this whole different world, like, you're a weirdo, which doesn't make sense to me, right, Um, we need to get past that, right, like, we can't start looking at people differently if they're fighting anxiety, depression, or whatever they're going through, it's, It's just part of life. Everyone has gone through it. Even if you think you haven't, you probably didn't just didn't notice it and you didn't take the time to like sit down and be like, whoa, what happened to me this past month? Now, my first experience with depression would have been with, you know, when I was in high school and I was overweight and literally did not know what the hell was wrong with me. You know, I think the big thing there was I felt trapped. And I think when it comes to depression, a lot of people feel like the whole world is kind of caving in on them and they can't get out. And they're almost like paralyzed. I think that this, that's the best way to describe it is if you're depressed, you most likely feel paralyzed and you don't understand why it's happening to you. And you don't really know how to get yourself out. Like you're just stuck and it's happening to you constantly. So when, in my example, when I was, it hit me hard in grade eight. You know, like, all my friends were really, really fit and athletic, and I was this 200 pound kid that had no girls noticing them, girls calling me ugly, disgusting, I would never even think about you, blah, 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 and that just, like, crushed me inside. You know, and some people might argue like, oh, you just felt bad and sad about yourself. You're not depressed. No, like if this lasted for two years, feeling the same way, trapped and paralyzed, then that's depression. You can be sad about something for a few days or if like you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend and it was, you know, a couple days where you're like, ah, shit, this sucks. I don't feel like doing anything. But when you are depressed for two years well, sorry sad for two years that's depression if you can't get yourself out you don't feel like doing anything like being able to get out of bed and getting dressed is like a huge accomplishment for you then that's depression and you know I don't know how I got out of it and I always think back to that one weekend where I decided that I'm going to stop feeling like complete shit and stop blaming myself and just change my life. I don't know how that happened, how that came out of me to better myself, but it did. And I'm so thankful that whatever might have influenced me during that time that I don't remember. And I really wish I did to, in order to, you know, help other people to kind of get them out of that funk. Because as a coach, I've seen clients go through it. And again, I can't bring that up being like, hey, I've noticed you being depressed or sad or blah, blah. But I can always say like, hey, what's going on? Um, But I wish I knew what it was to kind of get there. Um, I think the second time, the most recent time was a moment in my career where I felt like my talents weren't being used effectively. I couldn't grow my business. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I couldn't create the freedom that I wanted to do. So I was pigeonholed, right? Like I couldn't move forward. And for me kind of being like this entrepreneur, my main focus is always to be moving forward, even if it's laterally to the left or laterally to the right and then eventually going to my goal but you know as this entrepreneurial like DNA in me wanting to always progress and go forward and having this force in front of me saying no constantly it it took its toll over time and I think it was a good three months where I would wake up to go to work and I, I, just, I just felt like I couldn't do it. You know, I was t- like telling myself, like, what's the worst that could happen if I just kept sleeping and whatever, like, fuck it. You know what I mean? And the only thing that kept me going is that I had so many people counting on me who were my clients. And in my life, my clients are one of the most important things. And I always feel that I cannot let them down because... I'm like, they're almost like my children, you know, like I have to protect them. I need to make sure they're going the right direction, that they're being led and they won't be like, they won't have any harm come to them. So that was the only thing that kind of got me through because I had people counting on me. And, you know, I remember there was times where, you know, after I train all my clients in the morning, come home and kind of work on my computer, I had no motivation know nothing to even like answer an email and for the people who know me personally like I can easily wake up at 5 a.m. and just crush the entire day of work until 8 p.m. solid and that can like would consist of like training clients for six hours that day and then getting my workout in you know walking my dog crushing emails programs creating content doing the podcast and everything like that and knowing that that's going to take me to the next level of my career, but having this force field in front of me where I couldn't progress my business and that an entire different story that I will probably bring up down the road, but it's just too fresh right now for me. Um, Yeah, like... I just didn't have it in me to even answer an email when I got home and there was a lot of times where you know I would go work out and I wouldn't even listen to music I just didn't have the motivation there was times where you know one of my favorite things is to work out and I've said it on my show a bunch of times that you know the difference between a trainer and a client is that a trainer wakes up and they're like fuck yeah I'm going to deadlift today and then a client wakes up they're like oh I have to work out today And for the first time actually in my life, I woke up thinking I have to work out today just like any other client. Like I didn't want to and I had to like physically force myself to get changed into my workout gear and try to lift. And most of the time I would be like, ah, not even done my warmup. Oh, I've already done two sets. I think that's enough. And like my workouts would go from, you know, an hour to an hour and a half to 30 to 40 minutes because I just I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get myself in the mindset to lift heavy and crush it. Like that was the first time that's ever happened to me and I was like, "Fuck, what is going on?" And there were so many nights where I couldn't sleep. Like I just felt like there was shit running in my mind all the time. And I could be exhausted because I'm a type of person where I have if I have to wake up at five AM, I feel like I could sleep for like six hours a moment two PM hits. And you know, I would get sleep for like three hours and then still work the full day the next day. And the clearest image of this time in my life would be like I would after my workout, I would go into the shower and stand there, facing like the tile wall with my forehead against the wall, letting the water hit me and like literally just stand there for like 20 minutes and thinking like what the fuck is going on? And I couldn't focus. I was I just I just didn't enjoy life, right? And this whole idea of being paralyzed, and trapped it overcame my life and i was like what the hell is going on and you know like thank god for my wife who is able to talk to me about this stuff and we have such an open relationship that she's helped me so much through a lot of my shit and you know today i look back at that moment in my career where i was like if i still stayed in my previous career in that other gym, like I don't think I could get out of that funk ever. I think it would take a toll on my marriage. It'd probably take a toll on my life and who knows what could have happened. And thinking back to that moment of what was going on and kind of comparing it to my first experience with depression back in high school, there was a similarity of me almost changing. There was a moment where I felt like I needed to change. And if I had to give advice to someone who ever is depressed or is dealing with issues, if you ever get this like small little feeling in the back of your head or a small thought that runs through your brain where you... Felt like the only way to get out is changing one thing like fucking jump on it because that is your lifeline like jump on that thing and just keep going Um, looking back at it it's always been that little thought that I had to just jump in leap 100% in and it's always led me to some amazing change in my life like life changing stuff So now I'm at a position where when I wake up, I I can't wait to go to work, to see my clients, to be in the environment that I'm in, to work on new projects. Like I'm more busy than I've ever been in my life, and I absolutely love it. If I was this busy in my previous position, who knows what would have happened. You know, I who knows I, I always think of the worst case scenario and that's what would probably have happened so you know just being open like this I, I already feel like there is like a huge weight lifted off of me and i think for people dealing with any kind of mental health issue is just to be open with others and it's easier said than done Even if it's one person, even if it's like, why don't you even do a vlog, a personal vlog to yourself just to be able to, you know, open up and it might even sound stupid, but like, as you're driving your car, like talk to yourself. I do this all the time. Like I have all these thoughts running through my head all the time and just, you know, talking to yourself can help. Um... But I hope that anyone that's listening that is fighting any kind of depression, anxiety, or any other kind of mental issue, like you need to know that there's always a place for you in this world. There's always someone that is willing to help to listen to you. There's always that lifeline, like I mentioned, that will come across your mind and you just need to see it and freaking grab onto it like it's your last chance because it's going to get you out. And I hope that me rambling about this stuff helped at least one person or maybe made one person think about this topic a little differently and were like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I'm just going to end it there. And if anyone wants to talk, if anyone wants to reach out, I am here. Like I have a lot of people listening to this podcast and I'm sure at least one person's dealt with some personal shit like this before. And I am happy to email you back, message you back or whatever it is, or even get onto a Skype call and just chat it out. Like I'm in this business to help others. And it would be really shitty for me to be like, no, you need to pay me for me to help you. I'm here to help people. So if you want to reach out, feel free. I am going to sign off now and edit this episode together and then put it up on my soundcloud so everyone can listen and you don't have to watch me on facebook or instagram um so thank you for listening and again i'm going to say this on at the end of every single episode please 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 share this podcast with your friends and family facebook Instagram, Twitter, whatever social media platform you're on, and thank you for all the people on Facebook Live who are watching and that joined me, and thank you everybody on Instagram who joined and watched, and we will see you next week, and we will go from there. Yeah, let's get this shit started. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host Rafael Matuszewski, and today I am going solo once again and doing Facebook Live and Instagram Live for those who want to join in and see what I do behind the scenes. Not very exciting, other than me talking into a microphone and moving my hands a lot. Um, So, as always, I want to do some shout outs to the top three cities that been listening to my podcast this past week as it seems to change every single week uh so number one is naples florida shout out to those guys number two is overland park kansas which is pretty interesting and number three is liverpool from the uk shout out to the people out in europe who listen to my show and actually as a side note Other than cities, I'm going to go into my top countries. So it's interesting for the people listening to my show, uh, my top uh, country is the United States, the UK, Canada, Finland, Australia, Ireland, Slovenia, Poland, shout out to them, Germany, and Switzerland. So it's kind of cool seeing all these... um, different countries listening to my podcast and I feel so blessed for having fans outside of my city and um, yeah that's super cool to think that I have people listening to me ramble on about random shit every week Um, so what I want to go over today is something that can help you in life and also help you when it comes to fat loss, muscle gain, or just being a badass in the gym. Um, So the big one for me, and I think I spoke about this in my last episode when someone reached out and asked me like, hey, what should I be reading, learning, or figuring out to become a better coach? And one of the books I recommended that I recommend everybody Read is Essentialism, and I cannot remember who wrote it, Um, but again, I will put it in the show notes if you are one of those people that will just go on Amazon and buy without even thinking. Um, I probably read this book about a year ago, and it kind of changed the way I looked at how I structure my life and how I structure my business. And um, to kind of give a summary of what the book is, essentially is um if it's whatever you have coming your way if it's a project at work that requires you to stay late if it's a bunch of friends that want you to go out with you like every weekend or there's this course you want to take and it's an extra 10 hours a week in order for you to finish it or you know your best friend wants you to go to the gym with her or him two more times during the week when you just started and it's been only one time a week. Essentially, if you think about all these requests in your life, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Now, when you really think about it in that sense, it will simplify your life so much where you just focus on the essentials rather than like 30 things in your life constantly. So, For me, when I first started in the training industry, you know, I would say yes to everything. You know, a client couldn't make it at 5 p.m. They wanted to come in to the gym later at 9 p.m. I would say yes. If my boss at the time wanted me to work a Saturday, I would say yes. And it got so, you know, repetitive, it became a habit, and human beings are creatures of habit. You know, the moment you fall into something that you do on a daily basis, it's never gonna stop. So, you know, I was a victim to saying yes all the time, and now the people around me just expected me to say yes to everything. They knew they could always get Raph to do what they wanted. And also, like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a nice person, and I wouldn't wanna say no to people because I felt bad about it. But you know, after reading this book, I was like, holy crap, I've been burning myself out because what happened was rather than, you know, working 40 hours a week, it ended up being 60 to 70 because I kept saying yes to all these different things when in reality, it didn't really do anything for me. So the hard part is how do you say, no, without being a douchebag or an asshole, or people start thinking, like, hey, what the hell, dude? You always would come through for me. But if you structure the sentences a little bit differently, where they would be the asshole. So, like, an example would be uh, here's an easy one. If someone wanted me to work a Saturday, I would say, you know, normally I would say yes, but this Saturday, I promised my wife I would hang out with her because all week I've been working from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. So now the conversation has turned, and that person asking you a favor was like, well, now I can't really guilt them into doing what I want. And you also have to think about priorities, right? So, like, what's the most important thing to you? So if you had to make a list, and this goes back to something I was talking about, I don't know how many months ago, um, like the four burner theory, right? So on your oven, you have four burners. You can only cook four things at a time. And if you structure that in your life, like you can only focus, you know all your efforts on four things. and where are your priorities on that stovetop? So you know, some people who take the time to actually do this exercise, You know, hopefully your first burner is going to be yourself. You should put yourself in front of everything and not put yourself at the very bottom. You know, number two could be your family, number three could be your health, and number four could be a hobby or whatever it is. So, you know, at a capacity, you could focus on four things, but if you are trying to focus on three, there's no way that you're able to accomplish everything. And I think this is where a lot of people, when it comes to fitness and fat loss, um, fall short. You know, like, they have a stressful job, they have... 20 different things they need to worry about to live on a daily basis, and they're like, oh shit, I also need to exercise, I also need to cook meals, I also have to do this, I also have to go to sleep early, I also have to get off my phone before I go to bed, I also have to make sure I drink a bunch of water, and the list keeps piling up, and you know, that four burner analogy, there's no chance in hell for you to be successful unless you take something from one of the burners put them at the bottom of the barrel and put your health or yourself in there. And you know, it's a lot easier said than done, but that's one of the things that you need to focus on to be successful in anything. You know, if I wanted to go to university and take a semester of whatever class, there's no chance in hell that I can even do that cuz I already know my schedule inside and out. Like I put in probably 60 to 70 hours of work per week, and if I add another thing, there's no way for me to do that unless something else suffers, right? So that's another exercise that I like to give my clients or just people who always say yes to things. And I've seen it with a couple of my online coaching clients where there's one in particular I'm thinking about where, they will say yes to everything. So here's like a little case study. This individual works about 50 to 60 hours a week. Their commute to and from work is two hours. They want to lose fat, so they're working with me. So that's another priority. They have a family. That's another thing that takes time. And they are also training for a full marathon, which is... Back when I used to train for f- marathons, I believe I was running anywhere from 7 to 10 hours a week. So it's like, where do you have the time to sleep? Where do you have the time to relax? Where do you have the time to do anything? So even auditing your own schedule to look at you know, how jam-packed your things are would be a really like big wake-up call for a lot of people because you, if you just go day in, day out, and don't really know what your schedule is you just kind of go with the flow it's not really helping you if you actually went on your google calendar or your iCal and wrote out every single hour the moment from you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and see how long you have crap during the day and then someone comes along and says hey um this project at work is going to need some more people we need you to go on this thing and you already know you're at your limit and you're just so used to saying yes, your life is gonna be miserable. And your new goal for 2018 that you wanted to lose weight is gonna go down to the priority list at the very bottom of the list. So, this is where learning how to say no is so crucial for life and also fitness and health. You know, focus on four things that are essential to your well being. And you will be successful. And I know it's very, very difficult to do this, you know, straight from the beginning, but just practicing learning how to say no is the first step. So if someone's asking you to do something that requires a lot of time, just be like, hey, honestly, I can't. I have a lot of different responsibilities. And if something like, Falls off, or I get some more free time, definitely 100% I will do it. And I think that's where I'm going to leave it because I want to keep this short. As my last episode, I went for an hour, but I was really happy to see so many people, um, you know, tune in that long. And maybe for like a follow up to this, if you guys take the time to actually, you know, sit down even after this podcast and write down your daily schedule, right? Like rather than just hoping for the best each and every day to see if you have enough time to go to the gym, actually sit down and write and you'd be surprised. Like, oh shit, Mondays are really packed. Why the hell was I trying to get to the gym on Mondays? And then you realize, oh, Thursday's my lighter day at work. No wonder I would come home and I have an hour of free random shit time where I just go on Netflix and waste time and I'm like oh my god I need to go to sleep now so audit your schedule learn how to say no to what's like least important in your life and you will get ahead in no time and when I say in no time it does take some time but I think the other thing this could be another episode but a lot of people don't understand how difficult it is to actually see sustainable weight loss fat loss muscle gain or whatever it doesn't take you know 2 months or like 2 weeks and you're like oh yeah I'm going to be totally shredded I'm going to look amazing like it takes years and same goes for business like I just did my 100th episode with Jordan Syed last Friday and I asked him like plain simple like you have an amazing online business how long did it take you to actually see sustainable income where you can go completely online and leave the in-person business? And he said it took him three years of working Monday to Sunday, 60, 70 hour weeks to actually see the success he has now. And I'm pretty sure most people are not willing to put in that much effort to actually see those results. So just like weight loss, if you're not willing to put in so much effort and time where it actually requires you to think, it actually requires you to get off the couch from Netflix and write down a grocery list, write down what you're gonna eat, write down your workout schedule and be structured, then it's not gonna come so quickly, right? Like I always tell clients it's a lot harder than you think. So if I had someone that's goal was to get a shredded six-pack as fast as possible, I'm going to be blunt as possible with them and ask, like, are you willing to sacrifice X, Y, and Z? If the answer is no, then get it out of your head that in three months you're not going to be shredded. It's going to take years. And if you're willing to wait that long, then awesome. If you're not, then you're always going to be in that position in the middle where You're not gonna see the success as fast as possible. You're gonna get frustrated and eventually get to the, fuck it, I'm not gonna do this anymore. So if you get it out of your head where, you know, for the average human being, there are the outliers that can do amazing things, but for the majority part, get it through your head that it's not gonna be easy to see the success that you have in your head. You know, this is where the fitness marketing pisses me off so much. You know They market all these diets and cleanses and all this bullshit that you can change your entire life to two to four weeks when we all know deep down inside that's not how it works. There's no secret pill. There's no secret fat loss hack. It's just hard work. Just like you know, by now people understand that when they go on Facebook and see learn how to make an extra five hundred dollars per day from the comfort of your home is most likely bullshit. But for some reason when it comes to fitness and health, if you saw something similar where it's like, hey, lose ten pounds in a week and then lose twenty pounds the second week, you're like, oh my God, I need to start doing this, that like it blows my mind how many people fall for that. And the other interesting thing is people don't like simple answers when it comes to weight loss and fitness. Like any new person that comes to me and asks my advice, I'm like, it's hard work and consistency. There's nothing special. You could have the shittiest program in the world, but if you eat like crap for a long period of time and don't break through you know, habits that have been with you for decades, there's no point. There's, it's not going to happen as quickly as you think it is. Um, So I kind of went on a side rant on there because it kind of pissed me off when people continually fall for what the fitness industry is marketing to them, and we need more people that actually speak the truth when it comes to fitness and uh, weight loss. Um, But going back to my original point is learning how to say no. Um, I will put the book I recommend in the beginning in the show notes. I highly recommend you read it. Go on Audible if you're like me that can't read longer than 15 minutes and speed up the um, speed up the sound by like 1.5 and finish the book in like half the time. But I am going to stop it there. Feel free to uh, reach out to me if you have questions about this episode. And also, I'm going to ask at the end of every episode, please, please, please share this podcast with your friends and family as I'm trying to grow this thing as fast as possible to eliminate all the fitness crap in the industry and put in good information where people can actually relate to it and see success. So I'm going to end it there. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for all the people on Facebook joining me and everybody on Instagram joining me. Thank you, and we'll uh, see you guys next week. All right, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut to Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafal Matuszewski. And today is episode 101 and you got me solo rambling on for the next little bit. And I just want to thank everybody again for supporting me all the way from day one until my 100th episode that was posted last week. And hopefully the episodes have been getting better since day one, or just at least more interesting with better guests. But again, thank you for all my listeners supporting me since day one, since last week, since a month ago, since whenever you started listening to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And as always, I want to start off with some shout outs to the top three cities listening to My podcast. Now, number one, we have a new number one is Toronto, Canada. Shout out to everyone in Toronto listening to this wonderful show. Number two, whole new city, whole new country. It is Berlin, Germany. Shout out to everyone in Germany for listening to my show. And number three, again, we are going overseas. Number three is Bedworth from the UK. Shout out to everybody around the whole world listening to my podcast. I am super happy to see that I am getting through to people other than my hometown. Um, So today, what I want to go through is um, the darker side of fitness business And this will be more towards the fitness professionals listening. But at the same time, I think all the people who listen to the show who are not coaches, this will still give you some sort of insight of, you know, maybe what your coach goes through or just in general how human beings interact with each other and sometimes surprise you. Um, I think... In my last, you know, solo episode where I was talking about depression, um, I kind of mentioned about my previous work with my business partners of being kind of pigeonholed and couldn't progress the way that I wanted to. So to kind of give some, you know, context to what I'm going to be talking about. And just a heads up, I'm periodically going to be drinking the coffee that I'm drinking right now because it's 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm starting to hit a wall and I feel like I'm going to probably take a nap after this. So if out of nowhere I stop talking and start drinking, you'll know why. Um, so when I decided to start my own business, Um, I was in a spot where my previous gym closed and I was like, oh shit, I have no job. I just bought a place. I have a mortgage now. How the hell am I going to live? But at the same time, it was really, really weird for me because I felt felt okay about it because I still remember the day that I was told my gym was closing. I called my wife and I was like, I don't have a job. But it was almost like a funny thing to me because I knew everything was going to be all right. Uh, it was such a weird experience. I don't know what was going through my mind, but for some reason, I just knew it was going to be okay. So, you know, eight weeks go by um, and I started my business. But a little before that, uh, my former two bosses who ran the gym that I was at um you know, pulled me aside and said, you know, we lined you up a job at the other franchise locations of our gym. You can either take it, but we also have something else um, that you might be interested in. So to my two business partners, well, soon to be business partners, my two bosses, uh, thought it would be a good idea to create a company together and have that as our umbrella company. And then underneath the umbrella companies would be our own separate companies. So we would all share costs of running a business and then be our own entities and do what we're really good at. And I was like, oh man, that sounds amazing, right? So I get to still work with my bosses and now they're my business partners. So I'm getting my two feet in as a business owner, running my own business like I've always wanted to. And I get to keep my costs low because we're going to be sharing the costs of different things that are going to pop up. And this is going to be great. So I was really, really, really excited to get onto my next kind of like chapter of my life and my career. So fast forward, you know, eight weeks down the road. And my goal was to train as many hours as possible to... Save enough money because the next thing in my life was to, you know, ask my girlfriend to be engaged to me and eventually have her wedding. So I'm like, oh shit, I need to work as much as possible to save up some money to get this wedding thing together. So when myself and my two business partners were looking for a space to train in the location we were at, um, we originally were going to start at the rec center. And I started training some clients there, and because out of the three of us, I wanted to train as many hours as possible, so I wanted to work 35 hours of training per week just to save enough money, while the other two wanted to train maybe five to ten while focusing on their kind of online entity, which is like whatever, cool. So I decided to go do both because I knew that you know online training and just having an online brand is very important when it comes to trainers or just the fitness industry in itself. So I did both. Um, we found one place um, where they were looking for contractor coaches. So when we went in there and met with the owner of the gym he started talking to my one business partner. So my boss had experience with running a gym and contracts and everything on the business side that is not appealing to anybody else to learn. So he was kind of taking charge of all that kind of crap that I had no idea what was going on. I had no clue as much as I could read out of business books and things like that. Like when it comes to negotiations on how much money you're going to give to a gym to be able to train your clients in, I had no clue. So he took the charge of that, which is like, by all means, go for it. I have no experience. So then, you know, he would talk to them, talk to the, the owner of the gym, and then my business partner would tell me and the other business partner you know, what the lowdown was, what do you think, should we go do it, and typically what you'll see if you wanted, as a coach, wanted to um, rent space from another gym owner, there's a couple different ways of doing it. From the gym owner side, if it was me, and I understand why some other gym owners do this, is they're going to draft up a contract and you're gonna be stuck there for a year. Now, this gives insurance for the gym owner because now he or she knows that they're gonna have this one trainer bringing in a certain amount of money and guaranteed um, rent for the gym. So there's two ways. So if there was the contract laid out, it's either gonna be a percentage or just a flat fee. Now, depending on the size of the gym, depending on some other different factors, the flat fee might be different. So, say if the gym is just open to coaches coming in and training their clients, then the flat fee might be lower than a flat fee in a gym where they have, you know, regular people just coming in to get their workouts in because now you have people that you could sell to. Now, A typical gym where you could just bring in your clients and there's no other people coming in can be anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month. And you know, if you're generating five grand to ten grand a month in revenue, that's not so bad. The other option is that some gyms will put a percentage on how much you bring in. So say you are bringing in 7 grand a month in personal training of revenue 20% of that would be 1400 a month that you just sign a check to the gym in order to train your clients and then all you would have to pay for is like some sort of payment processing system, whether it be like PayPal, MindBody, whatever it is. Uh, If you're using a training software, that's another fee. If you have to pay for liability insurance, because sometimes as a contractor, the gym's not going to include liability in that contract, so you might have to pay that out every month. And having those two options in a contract, you know, one year, it sounds like, oh, that's not a big deal, but you also have to think about other factors. You need to ask yourself, you know, do I want to stay in this environment for a year knowing that if something happens in the staff, if there's, you know, who knows? There's so many different things that could happen that might make you feel like you can't stay there any longer. Now, I would highly, highly, highly suggest meeting all the other coaches in the gym because they're prob- you're probably not the first one. See if you guys get along, and if all things seem okay, then yeah, go for it, sign that one-year contract. But still, do not be married to the idea of you know, staying there for an entire year. That was my biggest mistake is signing a contract for a long period of time and then trying to get out of it. I would instead try to negotiate where it's a month-to-month and you might have to pay a higher fee because of that but i rather have the freedom to up and leave no problem so these little things are the stuff that you don't ever read online you don't ever hear about when it comes to you know moving on to your own and starting your own business and finding a place to rent because starting your own gym costs too much so I would highly recommend doing a month-to-month or signing a 3-month, you know, trial contract with the gym owner to train your clients there because what if your clients don't like the environment? What if, you know, your training style is completely different than what you do or vice versa, whatever the gym, you know, uh, owner, other coaches that he has there they're only into CrossFit, and you're the functional guy that is trying to teach someone how to split squat properly without pain, right? So, you got to think about all those different factors. So, in my case, when we first got in there, we just had a basic month to month percentage, and I believe it was 20%, which wasn't bad. So, if you are bringing in seven grand a month in personal training, that's fourteen hundred in rent, and then you're just paying your expenses. So what I had was a schedule and payment processing system, a training software, liability insurance, and you know I put money away for accounting fees, bookkeeping, um, little stuff that you don't ever think about. Um, and even um, put, setting aside money for like cash flow, so I'm not putting all the money that I make into my bank account and just spending it like an idiot. So those were kind of the first couple months. I would say the six months of that was structured that way. And then what was happening at the gym was, you know, the other coaches started quitting and or I'm just moving on and Even there was a clinic in the gym space that we were in, and you know, the one Cairo that was there, he was working at two different clinics, and the other clinic, he was getting more patients, so he decided to move there full time. They also had an RMT, and she was just part time and found more hours at a different clinic and moved on. And then it was just me and my two business partners at this gym. And my one business partner had an idea that, hey, maybe we should use this as an opportunity to, you know, take over the space. And, um, you know, I thought it was like, yeah, sure, that'd be awesome. But at the same time, um, I should have kind of thought about it a little bit more, maybe spoke to someone in the industry that knows a lot more in business than I do, maybe asked their opinion. But, you know... I would have been happy looking back of just paying 20% and having the freedom to move if I really wanted to, because again, you don't know what's going to change down the road. So when my business partner suggested it, I was, wasn't was against it, but you know at the same time, I wasn't thinking as I do now because I just know more now. And... I think the best advice I can give to any coach looking to step into business, whatever you think is okay or you're not sure about, 100% go talk to somebody who is in the fitness business that's been there for a while and has experience in this and just ask them. That is going to save a lot of Headaches, nerves, moods, whatever, just it's going to help if you take the time. And, you know, when I was talking about the cliff notes of my career in that book, Essentialism, like honestly, I would 100% buy that book and read it because out of all the books I've read in the past three, four years, that's the one that always stood out to me because The basic principle of anything you do in life is that if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. So you can apply this rule into business that if a new opportunity comes and you're so unsure and you can't say hell yes, go to someone who has experience in the field and ask them. And they can give you so much more insight and then you'll be like, oh, okay, I don't know what I was thinking about. This is definite yes. Or the other where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I almost said yes to this. So when it came time to my business partner talking to the gym owner and kind of pitching the idea of, hey, you know, we want to take over the space so that we get exclusive use and kind of run it the way we want it. And, you know, the gym owner came back and said, you know, we can definitely talk about that and structure a deal. So this is where a lot of stuff went over my head when I first got into the situation, and I kind of just went along with it because I just didn't know any better. So then my business partner came back and spoke to me and the other one and said that hey, there's this is definitely a possibility. Do you guys want to keep going with this because you know X, Y, and Z? So my business partner kept bringing it up, saying that it's going to be a really good you know step for us. We can work. Um, closer together on this and build the gym that we've always wanted to. So in my head, because I've always had it in the back of my head, I'm like, I would want to open up my own gym. And thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like shortcutting it into owning my own gym. You know, I can hire employees. I can build a community that I really want. I can do all the stuff that I really wanted to without you know, forking up a quarter of a million dollars to open up a suite facility because I'm already at one. I can just take over and rebrand it. So, um, I'm like, yep, let's go do it. I'm stoked. Let's, let's go on. So this is probably, you know, at the one year mark and we come back to a position that we were placed in where we had to sign a rental contract with the previous gym owner so the easiest way that they figured was we would take over the business but not be actual business owners over the lease of the building the name on the lease would still be um on the previous owner the owner would step away have no say in the business they're just there to collect money and to pay off the lease and blah 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 which is Awesome because when you think about it, when you become the owner of a gym, now you're responsible for the building. If the roof leaks, you have to deal with it. If something breaks, you have to deal with it. In this case, we were the owners without being the owners, if that makes sense. So they came up with an agreement where, you know, they thought it was fair that because we're gonna be taking over, have exclusive use rather than just paying the lease, we're also gonna pay the lease and repay the initial investment that the previous owner put in. This is something they don't tell you anywhere in the industry, i have not seen this. I have not seen articles written about it or anything like that. So again, to put some context in, the previous owner got an investment of a quarter million dollars from his buddy to open up this gym. And then as the gym are generating revenue, he would pay back the investment. We come in, we were the only coaches left. And to make it fair to the gym owner walking away, we would take over, pay the lease, along with a certain percentage every month to um, pay off the initial investment. You know, Both sides are happy and there you go this was probably the biggest mistake because at least in my opinion we had an opportunity to get the rent to what we wanted because if it wasn't for us that gym would have closed down the other previous gym owner had nobody in there it was just us three we could have easily just found another location or just built out another location um And even one of my clients that I was speaking to during this whole time, he was even saying that, you know, if it was him, he would have squeezed out every single dollar as much as possible to take over. And I was like, you know, I didn't think anything of it because at that point I had no idea what we were doing. And all I wanted to do was train my clients, process payments and make a paycheck. So, you know next thing led to another i'm sitting in a room where i am signing a contract with witnesses and this contract was you know drafted up and i was like holy shit!" i'm sitting down here and i'm about to sign a contract for four years and that was i still don't know why i didn't like think of it again like what Why didn't I go reach out to somebody in the industry, like I said earlier, for anyone listening, and just ask, like, is this a good idea? Is the rent too much? Blah, 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 blah. But it just moved so fast, and all I could think about is that I needed to save money because I didn't work for two months when the old gym shut down. I have a wedding coming up. I have expenses, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing I know, I'm in this contract. And when I think about it now, like... Probably that next day is when shit went down the way I didn't want it. So now I'm into a contract for four years. I'm stuck there. And, you know, we took over this gym and I was really excited to um, build something special. You know, and I had this idea of hiring employees, having you know, a lot of clients coming in and eventually being that coach where he steps off the floor and runs the business. But everything I wanted to do was always turned down. And this is where my mindset kind of shifted. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Us three business partners are not going towards the same goal. You know, like, That's another piece of advice is that if you are going to go into business with somebody, you need to sit down and actually talk about what your vision is for like 10 years down the road. What do you want to achieve? What do you want to see? And if they don't line up, then there's no point of going into business with them. And we never did that and i think that was one of the biggest mistakes that when i look back at the whole experience that's probably why it never worked between the three of us you know these are the small little things that you don't think about and they add up down the long run so the other thing too when you're thinking about you know running a business with somebody else they need to be the complete Opposite of you. If you are, you know, the coach that is so into the science and the training and is all about form and is all about everything has to be perfect, but is really shitty at marketing and sales and systems and things like that, then that coach should find a business partner that is the like mirror reflection to be what that coach is not so find someone who's really good at marketing and sales and personality to drive the business because now you have a coach that can focus on what they're good at and another coach that's really good with people talking and marketing and everything like that and that business will do really well in this case with my business partners we were all kind of the same we all really focused on the training we all Focused on, you know, where we wanted to progress by ourselves. And we also were kind of lone wolves where we work really well alone, but we're able to get shit done. But we never had that one person in our partnership that could kind of be the glue that brought us all together to kind of rally us up and be like, hey, this is where we're going. I'm the person that's going to steer. You guys are the ones that are going to paddle. So make sure when you go into business with anybody, they are either on the same wavelength as you and they're super excited. And even at that point, be self-aware enough to know that, hey, if the fact that we are the same, are we going to be good enough to excel in whatever market that we're jumping into to actually make a living and to make a profit? Because sometimes just getting someone that's even outside um, your industry to jump in and look at it from a different angle. Like what if you hired a marketing person to do all your marketing while you do what you're good at is, which is the training. This is the stuff that you don't really see a lot online. And there's so many coaches out there that want to do well in business and work for themselves and they do it. And they're like, holy shit, I have so much stuff I need to do. I have, no idea how I'm going to make enough money this month to do X, Y, and Z. So find someone that can complement what you do. Now, when I started seeing all these kind of roadblocks, I was kind of the type of person that had this vision of, you know, helping as many people as possible. And their vision of business was completely different than mine. And I would say, you know, after four months since I signed that contract, you know, our, that's when I realized our visions were completely at the opposite spectrums. And I was like, how the hell did I end up in this situation? I ended up in a situation where I did not want to be. And then when I realized that anything I wanted to do with my business was blocked by two other people. So that's really demotivating. So anyone out there who runs their own business, who understands that being an entrepreneur is all about you know trial and error and trying new things to see what sticks and what works, and most of the time, like 99% of the time, everything you do fails anyway, and you're looking for that 1% that you do something right, it gives you results, and you're like, shit, I just need to replicate that over and over again until I make some money, But now having this block that that 1% that's going to work is being blocked by two individuals, you get into a really dark place. And if you listen to that depression episode I did a couple weeks ago, that's what I was talking about is that I wanted to do so much more for my business and I couldn't. So I was like at a point in my life where what's the point of waking up? What's the point of, you know, getting on my laptop and writing out emails to my clients and updating their programs and creating a social media post? Like, what's the point? I'm not going anywhere. It's the same thing over and over again. And I got into a dark place in my life where I was just like, what the fuck? And it was a really, really, really tough place for me. And the only thing that kept me going was, you know, people are counting on me. So I cannot just turn off the alarm and just sleep and not train my clients. They've been with me forever, so I'm responsible to go and give them a good hour and ask them how their weekends were and what they did and how their kids are doing and how their husbands or spouses are doing. So that is the only thing that kept me going. And, you know, going to work and not talking to your business partners at all, like at all, other than the high and by and then leaving was, was my life. And the only piece of, you know... Work, I would call it, that I really, really enjoyed was the one hour I had on my podcast because I would talk to so many individuals that kind of run their own destiny, as I call it, that are doing great things in the industry and kept talking about how they have this new book coming out or this new project they're working on or this collaborative project they're doing with another coach. And I was like, man, like I would love to do something like that. But I can't. So just living in this fantasy land, imagining my life that, hey, maybe one day I could do that, but I'm going to have to wait four years to be able to do something like that because I was stuck in a contract. Now, I got to a point where I'm like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Like I was complaining every day and, you know, like thank God for my wife that would just listen to me bitch and complain and... She was the one saying, like, you know, if you find any opportunity to get out, like, just take it. And, you know, I always believe that something's going to happen in your life that will give you, you know, a lifeline. And you need to jump on it as quick as possible. So, you know, maybe two months after of just being in such a dark place, I was approached with an opportunity to go to another gym. So one of my clients that I trained as employees saw this huge benefit of exercise and health. And he had this vision that, you know, because of my employees that train with you are doing so well, maybe I should add a gym in my head office so then all my employees can experience the benefit and you know he he was talking about opening up a gym since probably the first day that I started at this new one and you know I give him gave him some like advice of like where he should put equipment or like how big it should be and how many employees he has how many people are going to be coming in and like foot traffic blah 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 blah, blah. and then we kind of just stopped talking about it because I don't know what happened but we just stopped, stopped chatting about it and then he mentioned that, you know, that gym that he was thinking of, he's actually going to create it into this, like, wellness center where you would have a gym, a clinic, a spin room, a yoga room, and even child mining all in one spot. And people could come in and have unlimited access to all three things. Well, four if you count child mining. And he wanted me to be a part of it. I was like, well, sounds amazing, but you know, I'm stuck in a contract. And he said, you know what? Like, send it to my lawyers and see if we can do something. And this was the lifeline. I didn't think anything would, you know, come through it. I'm like, I'm locked in. I have no idea what I'm doing, and blah blah blah. So the lawyers come back to me and they're like, you know, there's nothing legally binding you to stay there. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, it says right in the contract. I mean, they're like, no. So here's another thing as a coach you need to know is that you need to take every single contract paperwork and send it into a lawyer just to read it through because there's always little things that, you know, you don't know might affect you you want to know all the information before you step in it's just like if you created a program for a client you want to know the ins and outs of it before giving it to somebody right so i highly highly suggest always having a lawyer you know on your phone to call to send some paperwork to him or her to look over so i was like okay well I have an opportunity to leave. And the only reason why is that when they were drafting up this rental contract that they didn't have a lawyer actually write it out from scratch, they wrote it themselves and then had an online lawyer skim through it to say it was good enough. Obviously, when you have a lawyer just saying it's good enough, meaning that a a full-time lawyer looking at it will find every single bit that is you know, um wrong with it. So I was like, okay, well, I have an opportunity to leave. But at the same time, you know, I'm kind of I wouldn't say married, but kind of loyal to my two business partners because I've knew them for so long. And I was in a place where you know, one day I was like, no, I can't do it. I need to stay. And the other side, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I got to think about myself once in a while. I need to do what's right, um, for myself and for my family. Because the other thing down the road is like, I want to have a family. I want to have kids. I want to be making enough money to, um, support kids. Like, out here in Vancouver, it is super, super expensive to buy a house. Like to live downtown Vancouver, in a, like just Vancouver in general, a shitty, run-down house that you could just tear down. Just buying the plot of land is 1.5 million. So, what are the chances of me qualifying for a mortgage to live in a house, right? So. All these little things that I'm thinking about down the road is that if I am stuck in a business where I'm going to be making the exact same amount because I can't progress, what am I doing with my life? This is where why why in the first place I was depressed and I was like, what's the point? So I kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until I finally said, you know what, I need to do something for myself and think about my family think about my future i'm going to go ahead and do this and i had a very unique opportunity because you know at this new gym which is aura fitness and yoga if you ever want to look them up um i'm i'm an employee but i have so much freedom of everything that i want to do because my client who is technically my boss is sees the potential of what I can do and he said that many times he's like you have a really good head on your shoulders and you're bound to do really great things in your career and I want to help support that so like my role in this new company like I train about 18 hours a week with the clients that came with me and they're the ones that have been with me since like day one since I got into the industry and then I do 20 hours of social media for the company. So if you look at Aura's Instagram and Facebook, everything you see there is what I've been doing. And we've seen such exceptional growth each and every month. And the reason why I got into that was that you know my client looked at what I was posting. Because if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, every single day you see me post minimum twice a day. And he said, you know, the fact that you're doing it so regularly, it probably would promote my business. And my client was asking me my opinion, like, do you think if we had a social media person, um, would that benefit the gym? I'm like, a hundred percent. And this is where my client is so good at business that something that he doesn't know but knows that some other businesses are starting to do it. he pays attention to that and then he'll ask someone in that field and be like, hey, what do you think? And then he's so open to be like, you know what I think we should do that too And then this is a funny story is that' he's like you know if you want to start doing so, uh, social media for us um, you know write up a business proposal and send it to me And I was like, all right, no problem. I'm like what the fuck is a business proposal So I actually had to google how to write one. I sent it to him and he was really impressed with my business proposal. I'm like, this is the first time I've ever written one. And, you know, I, even in there, I had to write down how much I'm worth, what I need to buy, uh, what I need to have in order to do the job and what the industry standard is and what kind of tasks that a social media manager would have. And he was like, yep, yeah, it looks all good. And I'm really impressed with what you wrote down. And I'm really excited for you to do this. So now I was like, holy shit. Like, this is a job now for me. And all I've been doing is just posting every single day with some fitness information on my own stuff. So, you know, that's the other thing is like learning how to write business proposals. Like they don't teach you that on any website in the fitness industry on how to do so. Right. And it comes in handy. So anyway, going back to my original point, um, The other thing I do for the company is, like, I also run some staff meetings for the other coaches to teach them what I know from, you know, the training side. And they're so open to learning. Like, I've never been in an environment where everyone's so open and happy to learn. And, like, the team that my client selected works so freaking well. Like, so freaking well. And you know, so far so good. Like, again, I know it's a brand new shiny toy and like the, the luster of it is eventually going to fade, but I don't know, like it's been really, really great. So, you know, I was at a point where I had to choose and I finally chose that, you know, I'm going to rip the bandaid off and go ahead. Um, So I told my two business partners the situation and I wanted to figure out an exit strategy for me to leave on good terms. I wanted to find a replacement for me. I wanted to at least find another, you know, Cairo or massage or physio at the clinic that's going to help out the rent. But shit literally hit the fan. My business partners were pissed. And they thought I was taking advantage of them because they were on their impression that I knew that the contract was not legally binding. And... You know, there's always two sides of the story. You know, some people will say that I was in the wrong. Some people say they're in the wrong. But, you know, I told them that, you know, there's no right way of approaching business partners and saying that you want to leave. The fact that I am so young, I've never dealt with anything like this. I think I dealt with it as good as I could, you know, is there a perfect way of doing it? No. Was there a better way of doing it properly? But I I don't know well, how to how to even do it. So we left on really really shitty terms and you know those bridges have been burned and there's no looking back, but I'm in such a better place. I am so happy to Be blessed with all the people I work with, all the clients that came with me, and all the opportunities have been coming down my pipeline. And, you know, I've never worked so hard in my life for this gym. And I think that another thing you need to realize is like, sometimes being a business owner is not what you want to do. Like, it's so popular right now to be an entrepreneur, to be your own boss, to do this and this and this, but maybe you're actually not cut out to be that. Maybe you're not cut out to be, you know, the next Jeff Bezos from Amazon and create an empire. Maybe you're better off as an employee with a lot of freedom like a business owner by having the benefits of an employee. And this is the thing that I kind of realize is that maybe I'm not cut out to be a entrepreneur that has six different businesses that's generating half a million dollars of revenue and I'm a multimillionaire. Maybe I work for a company that generates a lot of money and I make good money myself. I have great benefits. I have this, I have that. I have all the freedom like a business owner and boom. You know, sometimes... You know, like I think Gary Vaynerchuk said this, like sometimes you don't need to be the number one in the company because number 13, the 13th employee at Facebook is probably bringing in $1.5 billion and has amazing benefits but doesn't have the headache of running the business and has all the freedom he or she wants. So really being self-aware of what you know about yourself, what your strengths and weaknesses are, and applying that to business is a huge, huge Thing now, the other thing that I have been thinking about in the last couple of weeks is why did my previous business fail? And I keep going back to a saying that Warren Buffett always says, or maybe said once, and I'm just saying that in my head now, but he was saying that in order to do well in business is that you need to learn how to adapt to the market. In my previous business, my business partners were so against adapting to the market that it was their own demise essentially to a failed business, right? I was trying to get with the current, but they're the one that put up the dam to stop it. And you know I had to go with it. Like I'm always about growth, always about building, and always trying new things, and that's just who I am. My two business partners are not like that. They're very kind of to themselves. They just want to do what they're really good at and not expand. So, you know, if it was up to me at my previous gym, we would have like three naturopaths working there. We would have a bunch of employees, where to the point where we're not even paying rent anymore we're making so much profit off different little avenues that we would be able to bring home more money and expand even further and maybe even open up a second facility but again their visions did not line up with mine and we kept butting heads and here I am so there is definitely a darker side to business that people do not, think about do not read about and you need to be really really careful with what you sign what you do and where you envision yourself so if you have an opportunity to be part of a new business part of a new partnership really ask yourself like the stuff that i brought up in this episode is you know is your partner the opposite of you is your um you know, visions for the business line up, you know, side by side, you know, are you at a position in your life that you're young that, you know, in two years, your point of view is going to change, you know, is your business partner going to change their views too, to line up with yours? Because sometimes as you grow as an individual, you're going to grow in opinions as well. So you need to be careful on that end so i'm gonna stop it there because i've been talking for a while and hopefully this gave you some insight of how the business side that people don't really talk about enough can actually basically hit the shit let, let shit hit the fan essentially so hopefully this gave you some insight some like pointers some tips and if anyone out there who is a coach that is in a position where they might be signing a contract or signing onto a new partnership or whatever and just wants to talk about you know whatever the hell they're going through to see if it sounds like a good idea like for sure hit me up i would love to chat And I'm going to end it there. And again, thank you for listening to me ramble on. And thank you to all my listeners around the world. And hopefully next week I'll give you another ramble of information. I don't know what I want to talk about yet. But if you have ideas for topics, let me know and I will plug away. And until next week, you guys, we'll see you then. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and today I am going solo and also live on Instagram and Facebook on two different phones at the same time. And if you want to comment or share some feedback as I go along into this episode, feel free to comment in the little box, and I will try to give you a shout-out back if I do not talk over and over and over again. But as always, I want to get into, where was it, Uh, some shout-outs to the people listening to my show, because as always, every week it seems like I have you know, new cities that listen to my show more often than the other ones in the week previous. And the other shout-out too is all the people who have listened to my show that got me to the 10K mark a month on average. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to listen to me ramble on my solo episodes as well as interview some amazing people. Uh, so the new number one city is Toronto, Canada. Shout out to Toronto. Number two is San Francisco and California. Shout out to them. And number three, this is the first time that this city has popped up in my top three. Is Vancouver, Canada, where I am located. So shout out to everyone in Vancouver listening to my podcast. Now, the other cool thing I wanted to bring up is also the top say, five countries that's been listening to my show. So number one is the U.S., number two is Canada, number three is Brazil, which is pretty badass, and number four is Austria, and number five is the U.K., so shout-out to every country that's been listening to me other than Canada. That's really, really cool. Um, so what I want to get into today, to stop working, there we go, um, this idea behind... Progressions and regressions um, in training. So, this is going to be valuable to both coaches who are listening to my show and the fitness fanatics that listen to my show, just that are eager to learn more and more and more. So, you know, I think as a coach, we tend to overthink things all the freaking time. Like we are always eager to learn something new. We're always eager to learn a new exercise. We're always eager to learn whatever new thing is out there and start implementing it with our clients on Monday, which is great. Like you're, it's awesome to see um, coaches so passionate about something new, but at the same time. You should follow this whole idea and principle behind, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Because I think a lot of times when, you know, I sit down and write programs for my clients, I'm like, okay, what's an exercise they haven't done in a very long time? And it becomes like this almost like circus act. And then I have to like take myself back and be like, what the hell am I doing? This person just needs the basics. And I think as a newer coach, when you get into the industry you tend to always go to the flashiest thing. If there's a new piece of equipment that, you know, been advertising all over your Facebook and you're like, "Oh man, that's so cool. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to start using it on Monday." You don't really need it. Like people overthink exercise so much. Even from a perspective a from a person that is not a coach and just wants to exercise on their own, you know, they'll see a cool core cool exercise with the TRX and they're like oh my god I need to be doing that in order to get a six pack when in reality you should probably be sticking to bird dogs and dead bugs until you can progress to something more advanced like that and you know I've been having this conversation with uh, my intern uh, shout out to Emily if you are listening to this um I took on a coach to kind of mentor under me and learn as much as possible. And a lot of times when we were talking about programming, um, you gotta keep it simple. Like you don't understand how simple programming can be where you'll see the progression you want your client to be at. And at the same time, all their aches and pains go away. So this is really interesting. Anytime I get a new client, um, coming in, they all complain about, oh, my knee kind of hurts. Oh, my hip kind of hurts. And sometimes my shoulder does this weird thing. And then my low back sometimes gives out. I'm like, perfect. Like this is almost every single client I've ever taken in. And they've told me this in their little consultation with me. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do the same thing I always do. Like every single person that comes in when I train them goes through the same templated, um, program unless there's some like really specific things I need to work with the individual because they have an injury. But every single client on day one goes through the same program that I give everybody else when they start. It's learning how to activate your core with the bird dog and dead bug. Um, I teach everybody how to hinge properly. So deadlifting. I teach everybody how to do a T-Rex row because every posterior exercise is really important for the general population, and I teach them how to squat properly and what the difference between a squat and a hinge is, and then I teach them how to do a split squat or a reverse lunge to learn, um, you know, unilateral uh, exercises, and that's it. Like, really simple. There's no magic to it. It's really simple, and they follow that for a month, And then after that first month, I add a little bit more to it. So building upon layers, that's how I program. And doing that in that kind of order will bulletproof your client in the long term. They're not going to feel super sore every single time they come into the gym. They're going to progress at the rate you want them to, and they're going to be pain-free. So then you know, three, four months down the road, I'll ask that same client that came in complaining about their aches and pains... And they always give me the same answer, they go. They they'll just go into like, you know what? I haven't really thought about my lower back issue, my shoulder issue, and my knee issue. And I'm like, because of programming is freaking amazing, but really it's really simple. So, when in doubt, always do a push, pull, leg exercise, core exercise, and some sort of corrective, or some sort of like heavy carry, like. These are the things that coaches and people who are interested in learning about working out is what you need to focus on, not something stupid that you saw on Facebook that is going to give you shredded apps. It's not gonna do that. And, you know, going into staff meetings and talking with other coaches about programming, you know, you get to a section where you're like, okay, I need to think of four different you know strength exercises for this client and then you're trying to think of every possible exercise that's not the simple one that you should and you almost progress that client too quickly now when it comes to like injury prevention you know, the more the more you can go simply the better and the tough thing is you know Clients always want the newest, coolest exercise, but in reality, you need to keep it simple. If you went, like this is the analogy I give to all my clients, is that when you start training with me, it's like if you just signed up for a karate class. You're not going to learn all the black belt stuff first. You're going to learn everything from the white belt, and I don't even care where you came from because I've had millions of different clients, you know, Tell me like oh I used to work out a lot in college I used to deadlift I used to do this I used to do that and I'm like awesome we're still gonna go to the basics because most of the time I've never I've never seen a client tell me all those things and have them true to what they told me and the an example is like I had this one guy tell me like oh yeah, I used to back squat a lot deadlift a lot and I'm like yeah sure okay um, we'll do the program and then after show me your form and the form was fucking god-awful, like, just just stop, right, my eyes are bleeding, and, you know, from a client's perspective, they think they could be doing something correctly, but if you don't have a coach with experience looking after them, they could be doing the wrong thing, and then over time, something's going to give, it's not going to happen right away, so say you're deadlifting with, like, a slightly rounded posture where your lumbar region is, you know, maybe not in that first week of you training that something's going to happen. Maybe three, down, three months down the road, something will happen where you're like, mm, I pulled something and it doesn't feel that great. So the analogy I also like, I love analogies by the way, and it connects to clients so easily. So the best way to put this into words is that Those people that go onto the dance floor that think that they're really good dancers, but everybody around them are like, yeah, no, you should stop doing that. It's the exact same thing when it comes to the gym, when clients think they're doing the exercise correctly, but from a coach's perspective, you're like, yeah, you should probably stop doing that because it's just going to cause further issues down the road. So if I had to break it down for anyone listening... You know, focus on the basics and you can always go back to it. Like even for myself, when I'm programming, I'm not trying to do the hardest exercise that makes me look like I'm going to join Cirque du Soleil. You go back to the basics. Like think about Olympic weightlifters. They have three lifts that they practice all year round. They practice and practice and practice and somehow they're getting stronger. They're getting leaner. And they're doing amazing things in their sport. So, like, what's the secret sauce? It's going back to the basics always. And you know, they're not trying to find a exercise that they're balancing on like three medicine balls with a stability ball on their feet while doing push-ups and then jumping off it. Like, no, it, you don't need that crap. And clients, if you have a coach and you go into your session and they give you something that in your head, you're like, "Mm, I don't really think I can do that. Then it's probably an exercise that you shouldn't be doing. And this is why I always go back to the basics because then you can build upon the pattern so much easier. So when you go from like a rehab sense, like this past uh, weekend, I did an an assessment for my sister-in-law and she was complaining about hip pain while squatting. I'm like, okay, well, let's do an assessment. Let's see how your um, squat mechanics look like. And I already knew like there was something going on in her hip. Further investigation, I'm like, hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna start breathing. This sounds stupid, but a lot of people don't know how to breathe properly. Like to actually breathe through your diaphragm, a lot of people actually have to use their brains and think about using their diaphragm and not their chest. So that was the first thing I gave her. I'm like, let's just breathe for 10 good reps. If you can't get to 10, we're going to restart and really focus on using your diaphragm. After a couple of minutes, she started getting the hang of it. I'm like, okay, perfect. Now you know how to breathe. So now let's groove the pattern of your squat. So even before getting her upright, I got her on her hands and knees and just letting her rock back and forth while breathing properly. In that squat pattern, now I'm grooving the pattern. I'm like, okay, now let's get some more feedback. I got her against the wall, face forward, and wanted her squat as low as possible before her face hit the wall. Now she figured out what her range was. Now we have layers, like I said earlier. So she started with breathing. She started grooving the pattern, and then she started getting feedback of where her squat mechanics should stop, and now let's go load her with all those things that we just did, and her squat improved instantly, right? And I didn't do any, like, crazy thing that you might have seen on YouTube or Facebook. It's the basics, and people always tend to forget to always go back to them, and You know, as a younger coach, I used to do that all the time. Like, oh, I want to find new exercises. I want to do this. I want to do that. But really what people need is always going back to the basics. I've never had a general population client that was so advanced that I had no more ideas what to do because it's really easy to take the basic exercises and add more load, add more volume, add different things to the environment to make it more challenging, but still working the same thing. Now, I'm going to stop it there because I can ramble on about this over and over again. But actually, I'm going to add one more thing. It's called the shit test. So I was telling this to another client a couple of weeks ago is that there's this concept. I think Mike Boyle came up with it is that, you know, if you see an exercise and someone's doing it and it doesn't look quite right, you use the shit test. Does it look like shit? Yes. Then most likely it's shit. So when you see if you're in a public gym and someone's doing something you haven't seen before, keep watching. And if your brain does not say like, oh, that looks cool or wow, that looks really difficult to accomplish, then most likely it's an exercise that the person shouldn't be doing. It's this idea of like I don't even know what you're gonna call it. It's it's a circus act, like don't fall victim to the exercises that look so challenging and so whatever. Like the whole point is, is stop doing the circus acts, circus act um, exercises, and go back to the basics build upon those things and you'll get stronger, you'll lose fat, you'll feel good, and you have a lower chance of injury. And those are the things that a general population need. They don't need no fancy exercise. So if you are always squatting and split squatting and doing push-ups, doing an overhead press, doing a heavy carry, doing some sort of pulling exercise, stick to those and play around different rep schemes, different loading patterns, different volume things, descending ladders, ascending ladders, like time sets, whatever it is, but always stick to those basics. Like Dr. John Rusin, for example, who I am super excited about to interview in April. Um, like he coined this whole idea from probably Dan John because he kind of started everything. Um, the idea of doing a push, a pull, a leg, a core, and a heavy like carry Um is what you need on a daily basis. You don't need anything else. And then maybe like some sprints at the end. But again, keep your programming, your exercises really simple. You have a lower chance of injuring yourself and then you'll have this long period of time where you can train and see the results you want. Because the last thing you want to do is try a new exercise you saw online, injure your hip, and now you're out of commission to train for like three months because you tore something. We don't want that. Um, Yeah, if you have any feedback, questions, thoughts, concerns, please reach out. And as always, please, please, please share this podcast so I can continue growing uh, growing this thing and eventually reach my 100K a month mark. That is a hefty goal for me, but I think I can do it. And thank you everyone on Facebook for watching and listening to me rant on. And thank you everybody on Instagram Uh, for joining me today and that's it for me if you have any requests for topics coming up feel free to message me on facebook instagram or whatever you want to do and that's it see you guys next week hello boys and girls welcome back to another episode of cut the shit get fit I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and today I am going solo once again. And we are going to start off the show just like always. And I'm gonna give out a couple shout-outs to the top three cities listening to my show this week. Number one is a new number one, it is Winewood, Pennsylvania. That is pretty sweet. I had, I don't think I've ever had Pennsylvania on the top 10. So shout out to everyone. Listening in Winewood, Pennsylvania. Number two is L.A. in California. Shout out to those guys. I will be going to Long Beach uh, for the Perform Better. So if any of you coaches out there uh, going to Perform Better in Long Beach, make sure you say hi to me when I'm there. Uh, And number three, a new um, top city. Hopefully I'm pronouncing this right. It's uh, Dunedin, New Zealand. Pretty sweet that I have people all over the world listening to me. And uh, shout out to everyone who hasn't made out to the list. I'm pretty sure you're going to pop up there eventually. Um, So I wanted to bring up a couple other things before we get into the You know, nuts and bolts of this episode, but I got to get I got to be interviewed um, by another podcast uh, named Revolutionary You by Jason Leonards this past week. And I got to say, it was it was pretty it was pretty weird to be on the other end where I'm not asking the questions, but I'm talking the entire time. And, you know, the interview was about 40 minutes, and honestly, I feel like I scratched the surface of my story and, you know, what I do and who I am, because we didn't really talk about that much about fitness and health, but more of who I was as a person, and I was like, man, I wish I could, you know, get interviewed for, like, I don't know, two to three hours to kind of give you guys... Like, who I am entirely because I've been interviewing all these people. I have done these, you know, solo episodes, but you still don't really know the like meat and potatoes of who I am. So, I'm actually currently looking for another person to interview me for my show and make it into like a two to three hour type of thing where I'm gonna break it up into a couple episodes. But, uh, so stay tuned for my first podcast interview where I'm the guest. Um, I believe it's going to be posted in March. And um, keep your eyes out for my solo episode for this show. And uh, I just got to figure out who I'm going to ask to interview me. Um, And the other thing is that I did have an interview set up with one guest that I posted uh, this past week. But unfortunately, Skype, Google Hangout, Facebook Live did not work. Instagram Live worked, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to take the audio from it uh, and just post it in, edit it, and it'll be all good. But as I looked at the video that I saved because of the internet connection, I'm assuming everything was delayed, so when my guest finished speaking, I was already talking with the next question, so I have an emergency guest that's going to be coming on, uh, Andy Morgan, Who is a nutritional and macro genius when it comes to getting guys ripped. So I'm really excited to get him on the show finally because his time difference, he lives in Japan and they are 17 hours ahead so things just never lined up and the time that I screwed up with one of my guests and this was a last minute thing, he said yes so I'm super excited to interview him. Now let's get into the good stuff for this show so if you've been following me the last couple weeks i did a couple posts about um doing an assessment for my sister-in-law where she was complaining that she had pain in her hip while squatting and um you know i got a lot of good feedback people were asking me questions like oh what did you do like what assessment did you give her? So I thought I would just like break it all down here because, you know, writing it out and doing a couple of videos doesn't do it justice. So to kind of give some background to um, the client. so I'm going to use this almost like a case study. So my sister-in-law, um, she is 22, 23 years old, so... You know, young, hasn't had any kind of serious injury. She used to uh, run high-level track in high school, stopped, and now she's kind of on the quest to get back into shape again like she was back in high school. So she started working out on her own and has been kind of following the stuff that I've been putting out. And um, one day she noticed that when she was squatting, she had like a sharp pain pulling through her, what was it Le- left hip? Yep, left hip. And um, she asked me, hey, like this happened, like what should I do? And automatically, like any coach out there should know this. When you hear your client say, hey, this really hurts when I do this, you stop and then you refer out. Um, so her being like every other client did not go to physio or Cairo because clients never <laughs> listen to advice that you give them unless you like really hammer it through. So I told her, okay, obviously you're not gonna go to physio or Cairo, but let me like take a look at you, see what we can, you know, kind of figure out, and hopefully I can help you. So the one thing that I got online was, you know, people ask me, okay, well, what assessment are you doing with clients? So you know, over the years. I've taken so many certifications, um, watched a bunch of different DVDs and lectures, and been to conferences, and I've kind of developed my own little assessment um, system. And you know, if I actually put in a lot of time and effort, I will take about 30 minutes to get through that assessment. So, if I had to explain what the assessment is, it's a combination of the FMS, uh, TPI. Eric Cressey's Assess and Correct, and some other ones I've picked up over the years, and kind of meshed it all together to kind of give me a, a blueprint of how this individual moves and functions. And this is what I tell you know a new client that comes in that's a, and I tell them that, all right. So when we do this assessment, all this is going to give me is a blueprint of how you move, and also it's going to give me any movement that. You experience pain or it just doesn't move that well. And they're like, oh, okay. And I tell them right off the bat, I'm like, I can't diagnose what the hell's going on in your body other than, hey, this is tight. Hey, when you do this, it hurts. Let's not do that. And let's refer you out to a physio or Cairo. So for all the newer coaches listening, I would highly recommend get getting your FMS level one, then look at the level two. Also look at TPI, which is also influenced heavily by the FMS. Same kind of principles and concepts, but it doesn't have a scoring system, and it's a pass or fail. And that's one of the things I've been telling um, my intern I have right now is that you know the FMS has a scoring system, but I personally have shied away from it because now there's so much you know. If I had a client, I scored their FMS and they moved away they went to another coach and I said, hey, this client scores a 18 out of 21, but then the new coach um, FMSs them and they get a 15 and they're like, hey, their squat was actually a two, not a three. So there's a lot of room for error on that part. So I just look at, can they do the movement? Yes or no. Do they have trouble with it? Let's break it down layer by layer and figure it out. So that's how my assessment kind of works. Is you know, I use the building blocks of the FMS and say their squat doesn't look that great. I peel off layers to figure out what the hell's going on, and that gives me more information. And the other assessments I picked up over the years, I put those into the layers to figure it out. So an example is um, you know the FMS squat you have them in an overhead position. They squat down, it looks horrible. I go, okay, let's elevate the heels, which is done in the FMS. It improves a little bit, I'm like, okay. I take the dowel away, cross their arms in front, kind of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger front squat. It improves, okay, maybe there's um, something with uh, shoulders, maybe there's something with hips, or something with ankles. Next thing I check ankle mobility, which is from the TPI, and then it gives me more information. And then from there, knowing that say they had some sort of like shoulder issue, I go into like an external, internal rotation assessment to see if they have anything there. And it just layer by layer, right? So I take the backbone of the FMS and with each correlating movement, I've added my own little assessments to it to give me more information. And I think as you get into the industry, I think you should do that. I think you should experiment with other assessments to give you more information, and that's going to better your experience with your client, and your client's going to appreciate that extra attention. Now, going back to my sister-in-law, there was a couple things I noticed. So in her squat, um, there wasn't a sharp pain. She just said that, you know, I kind of, I could feel it, and she would shift her weight to the opposite side. So obviously that's a movement pattern that she developed because ever since she injured her hip or whatever the hell is going on, um, her body now found a way to do the movement differently so it won't experience pain. And that's what the body usually tends to do is whatever you injure, you injure your ankle, your whole body's going to change your gait to not put so much pressure on the ankle to cause pain. So your body will try to maneuver around pain and you can kind of use the same concept. So I came up with this idea, like, you know, if your body naturally does that with any kind of injured joint, why not you as a coach do the same thing with your programming, like move away from the injury, but still address it at the same time. Um, so as we went further along, um, you know, we checked shoulders, shoulders were fine, Um her uh, T-spine rotation left and right was fine. Um, when we got to the active straight leg raise, she got a three on each side. If you're scoring it, like, no issues whatsoever. I'm like, okay, it's not a stability issue. And then we went into the toe touch. She had a little bit of a struggle to get down to her toes. I'm like, okay, maybe it's a mobility problem. And then I checked her hip internal and external rotation, and honestly, like both sides were uh, pretty tight, but the injured side, she definitely had um, a huge restriction. And to a certain point of internal rotation of her left hip, she felt that same pain. And I'm like, okay, now we figured out like whatever you're doing internally on your hip, there's, there's shit going on. And I just told her like, this is as far as I can get to kind of figure out what the hell's going on with your body, so this is where I would love to send you to a chiro or physio to kind of figure out what you should be doing. And then I um, took it a step further and checked like glute meat strength. You know, who knew that, like there's no surprise that on her left side, which is her injured side, super weak compared to her non-injured side. So I'm like, okay, there's that too. And then we did a video uh, assessment of her squat, and I looked at it, and already, like, I posted the video. So if you go on my social media, you'll see this. If you look at her posture, she's in such a lordotic state that you can literally see how tight her hip flexors are. So she has that arch already, and I'm like, okay, she has really, really tight hip flexors, and when we did the hurdle step she had to externally rotate her left and right hip to get over that hurdle and I'm like okay she's also running on her own so the fact that she has limited hip flexion to be able to run her strides she's probably always going into that that internal rotation run that I've seen a lot of people do when they're tight on their hips and I'm like okay well you're practicing a dysfunctional pattern over and over again and then you combine it with some like weight training on top of it then yeah your body's about to like implode and injure itself. And then when we further looked at um, her video of her squat if you notice like the before and after video I posted, you know, she has great depth and then she also has that butt wink. And you know, it's a heavily debated thing like, you know, should you butt wink? Should you not? And in my opinion, when it comes to people dealing with pain, maybe you shouldn't go to full depth that you can. I think it's she has more of a pelvic, pelvic floor dysfunction when it comes to stability because her hips are all over the place when it comes to core stability. Um, so when I looked at her squat, I'm like, okay, we're going to give you some stability that you need. I'm going to teach you... Where your range is like, I, I use the analogy that you know, you have a car, your body's a car, and there's so many different moving parts for it to all to work. So, in my sister in law, bless her situation, her brakes didn't work. So, the fact that she would go past 90 degrees in her squat, have her butt wing, her hip would hurt, she just didn't know when to use her brakes. So, I wanted to rearrange how her brain transmits information to her body to tell her body to stop at certain points of her squat and learn how to use the brakes and stop and then come back up in your squat. So this was a sequence. I wanted to have her learn how to breathe because if you've been reading anything to do with fitness and health, breathing is huge. So that's step, like baby step number one. So I got her in a supine position, knees up, one hand on her belly, one hand on her chest, I told her, I want you to breathe into your hand on your belly 10 times. No surprise here, she could not do it. So after some coaching cues and after explaining what I wanted her to do, she started getting the idea. I'm like, okay, perfect. Now we're building a little bit more awareness of what I want you to do. Then I got her into a quadruped position so bird dog position wider with her feet and i put um like two tension relief system balls or blue balls or whatever you want to call them on her lower back i told her where to find her neutral spine how i want her pelvis because i didn't want her to be arching so much and we did simple rock backs with the breathing and telling her where to stop before her hips would do that butt wink we did that a couple times Now she's getting some feedback with the balls on her lower back. If it rolls back and forth, I want those to stay still. Now she has that external feedback of where she needs to stop. Then we went into a half kneel position and I got her to do a simple hip flexor rock back with the idea of her back foot on the toe, tilting her pelvis forward, squeezing her bum, and I made sure on that left side where her knee was down, I asked her, do you have pain? She's like, a little bit. I'm like, okay, just ease off. Don't go into that zone where you feel pain. Just rock back gently. And at the same time, we are still practicing her breathing. Now we're getting things you know, going. And the last thing I got her to do was something called the face the wall squat. So this is a corrective exercise I give to so many of my clients. For those who don't know what the face the wall squat is, is you literally face the wall with your body, and you squat as low as possible without your face, your knees uh, touching, and this will give you an idea of where you're allowed to squat for depth. So obviously if you go toes touching to the wall, it's going to be really difficult. So I tell people, you know, find the happy medium, don't be too far off that you can squat easily, don't be so close that you can't squat at all, find that middle ground. So we found her middle ground, and like who knew she would stop right around 90 degrees in her squat and i'm like okay we're gonna do 10 reps of that and i want you to remember where you stop like make mental notes every time when you stop at the bottom and then drive up with that breathing that we've been practicing she's like okay then with all that we did only one set of everything i'm like okay let's film your squat again and if you go back to that video her squat improved tremendously i'm like boom, you see this, this is what you need to be doing in your squat to make sure that you're not gonna injure yourself again. And we did a couple of things also with her foot position, right? Cause she would usually squat with her toes straight. And again, if you know anything about the FMS, squatting with your toes straight is gonna make it really difficult for your hips to go into um, good depth. So we went a little bit wider of her stance. We actually rotated her left foot outwards a little bit more than her right because of her injury and when we had her finished product of her squat, she had no pain squatting. So I'm like, perfect. This is what I want you to do every time you squat. So those little correctives could be part of her warm up. And then now she has that confidence, knows how to use her brakes, aka you know, in her car, and she's able to work out without pain. And I think this is what good coaches should kind of get across to their clients that, hey, you know, if you injured your shoulder or your knee or whatever have you, there's still a chance for the coach to figure out a way to have you exercising without pain. And I think if coaches tip the time to figure out how people move and do a little like extra assessment to figure out different ways to have them move, then Why not have them exercise and at the same time still take them to physio and Cairo to give you more information, right? I always tell all my clients, your body's a giant puzzle, uh, like a giant puzzle. The more pieces you can find to add to it, then you'll have the broader picture. So, you know, me doing this assessment only gave me, say, two more pieces to the puzzle. But then if she ended up going to physio and Cairo and they did their magic of whatever they're doing... They can figure out a lot more pieces, send that information to me, and now I have a very individualistic approach to this client. Now, that was a lot of information, and maybe for the newer coaches, they were just like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Which is okay. And this is what I was telling my intern is that, you know, when I first got certified through the FMS, you know, I take people through the FMS and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. It took time to see patterns, see like common trends that, you know, this client had the same thing with this client. And then over the years of learning other stuff about the FMS and movement, it all kind of came together and now I have a really good understanding of it. So the more you can assess people, even filming them when you're assessing them so you can make mental notes, see what worked, see what uh, didn't, and you'll have a pretty solid foundation of how to assess people. So I'm just going to end it there. If people have more questions about how I assess people, what my thoughts are on pain and movement and where the line draws in when it comes to I can't train you, you need to go see somebody, feel free to reach out on Facebook, Instagram, email. What do you got to do? And again, please, 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 please share this podcast and you know, post it on Facebook and Instagram, Pinterest or whatever social media crap you're on because I want to build this podcast into one of the biggest, most successful podcasts in fitness and health there is, and I need your help to do so. So until next week, you guys, we'll chat then. So that's going to wrap up this special episode of number 202 and a half, where I just put together the top five most listened solo episodes of mine. Hopefully that, you know, brought up some good memories, or if you're brand new to all of these episodes, you're welcome, because I went pretty deep in some of them and like really opened up. And again, I had a lot of feedback on those particular episodes where I really opened up and people just appreciated that someone would talk like that or share something like that. So if at all you need to reach out to me, want to like leave a comment or whatever it is, feel free to do that. I am super psyched to have shared all these episodes with you because when I started looking through them, it gave me a lot of good memories and it just reassured me the very reason why I started this podcast in the very beginning so thank you thank you thank you for everyone who's been listening since day one all my new listeners and again if you have any feedback feel free to reach out add me on Facebook hit the show notes hit that link keep your eye out on my book god I am now 200 pages in that's edited and ready to go I'm so close for this thing to be done so keep an eye out for it And again, share, 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 share this podcast with your friends and family on every single social media platform so we can grow this thing together. And I'm going to continue giving you the best fitness and health advice out there week in, week out. That's it for me.